Welcome to the California Work Comp Report, a podcast hosted by Arun Kroll and Claire Williams, featuring Dr. John Alchemy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the California Work Comp Report. This is Arun Kroll. I'm here with Claire Williams and Dr. John Alchemy. And today, we are going to discuss apportionment in the life of a California workers' compensation claim. Hello, Claire. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. So, let's start off. What is apportionment, Dr. Alchemy? So, apportionment. Um, Apportionment is one of the subsets of the PR4 report. Um, and if you've listened to some of the podcasts earlier, we, we talk about it. But what is it really? Well, apportionment is a section where the medical provider is asked to make a determination if the permanent disability that results from the work injury may be attributed medically to any other conditions. It's as simple as that. So the key to understanding apportionment is that the doctor at the end of doing this evaluation, they now are, are asked a question. Okay, this person is injured and they have a permanent disability that may or may not be based on work limitations or may or may not be based on the impairment rate. Um, sometimes the insurance company uh, will take this impairment rating value, they do, and it gets dropped in to a calculator and, and mm-hmm. a a uh, and, and a permanent disability number is provided out of out of this equation. So when that happens, they're going to want to know. Okay, well we know they got hurt, but you know this guy maybe had a pre-existing condition and had some permanent disability before that we know about, or maybe he's got a medical condition with a lot of arthritis. You know how much is mm-hmm. that contributing to him? Because you know lifting the, uh, the the bag of groceries one time didn't result in, you know, arthritis in his back, and and they're right. So so that needs to be described, and that is what apportionment is about. Okay, so it's directly related to the impairment rating and to permanent disability. Yes, yes. And, and to make it even more confusing is uh-huh. that the, the doctors can only apportion permanent disability. You know, in nowhere, um, you know, do they, they clearly describe, you know, permanent disability. So, you know, permanent disability, according to the AMA guides, is the inability to meet uh, social and occupational demands, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, a permanent disability to an insurance adjuster may mean a permanent disability rating, and that is the piece that comes out of that equation when you put an impairment into it. So okay. just backing up a little bit, I want to be really clear, if, if you haven't heard this in the prior podcast, impairment's a measurable loss. Disability means you can't do something. So in this current California process, they're taking an impairment rating value, converting it and turning it into a permanent disability rating. So you can see we can have problems because an impairment rating does not mean that you are disabled always. And so that's where a lot of confusion and, and problems come up for both the providers and the uh, and the stakeholders in the process. Understandably. So just to recap here, we have um, doctors and insurance adjusters both use apportionment to determine 
um, impairment rating as a whole. Is that correct? Well, they have to start with the impairment rating. It is the foundation of the house of disability because, um, okay. you know, if someone has a has disability, uh, they may uh -huh. or may not have some impairment measurable yet. Got it. Okay, and clearly it's affecting the injured workers themselves and also insurance companies. And um, the, the doctor is the primary person calculating, not insurance adjuster. Is that correct, Don? Yeah, so so it's the doctor's okay. job to create that um, uh, impairment value. It's the doctor's job to make a determination if apportionment is present. And I want to just make one little comment to make sure there's no confusion. You had mentioned that clearly, you know, it, it affects the patient. It may not always affect the patient. Um, for uh -huh. example, if, if I have a torn piece of cartilage in my meniscus in my knee, I require surgery, I feel great. I'm 100%. I have no restrictions. The AMA guide says that I have an impairment value, although I really don't have any disability, permanent or otherwise, because I feel great. That's why I had the surgery done. So, you know, so, so that report might get turned in. The injured worker has no work restrictions, e.g. no, no inability to meet their occupational demands. So they really and truly do not have disability. But they're going to take that impairment value, put it into the equation, and now they have a permanent disability rating. And when those two things don't always line up, that's where confusion comes. That's where letters, you know, start coming in, and and the system is just really not well designed to to deal with those situations where there's a disparity or a difference, you know, between the impairment and and the functional disability of the employee. Right. Right. So, Dr. Acme, it sounds like the provider needs to determine the impairment rating of an individual, mm -hmm. and then they've got to ask themselves, is any of this due to some other condition that's not related to the work injury, right? Correct. Yep. So, yep. How, how do you go about deciding that? Like, let's say somebody's got, you know, a torn meniscus from a pre-existing condition. How do you say that this is worth, like, you know? Two percent of their total impairment rating, or whatever it is. Very, very good question. Um, personally, I would make a statement here and say that out of all of the elements that the primary treater is required to provide in the PR4 report, apportionment, um, in my experience, is by far and away the most confusing concept to get your head around. And there are tomes of, you know, documents and legal articles about apportionment and, you know, what is acceptable apportionment um, to the DWC, the Division of Workers' Comp, you know, and what, what does meet the legal standards. See, the problem, the problem that I see as a clinician is that there are no clear, specific rules on the conditions that would apply one particular number between uh, zero and a hundred to be provided. And let me back up. You know, there's lots of rules in the AMA guides for how to create impairment value. That's that's not what we're talking about here. We're sure. talking about a system that's now dependent on a on a doctor's quote medical experience, okay, to assign a value of apportionment to the claim. 
And when there are no rules laid down for how that's done, you can imagine that everyone has a different idea on how apportionment should be arrived at. So I didn't answer your question specifically because there are no specific rules as far as coming up with that very exact specific percentage um, uh, that are available to docs who do these reports. Right. So it seems like it's, it would be pretty easy to contest the apportionment, like if the insurance company thought it was, you know, too low or something like that. Is, is it very difficult for the insurance company to come back and say, you apportioned this incorrectly? How, how does that conflict get sorted out? Well, you know, the, the, the whole point of the system is that the employer only wants to be responsible for the part of the permanent disability that they caused. And, Definitely. you know, and that's great. And, and that's a very ideal goal to have. Um, the problem is, is, you know, how much of that <laughs> is really due, due to the work. So when you're dealing with, with a, a topic slippery and poorly clinically defined as apportionment, it is not, it does not take much for someone to get confused or misunderstand, and I'm talking everyone in the system, not just an insurance adjuster or a doctor or a patient or an attorney. I'm talking about everyone because when there are no rules, then you have to do your best. And and what happens is, you know, certain things can be referenced in an apportionment determination medically, in my opinion, and and those need to be linked in some type of weighted or analytical way to make sure that the apportionment is equally applied to the next patient as it is to this one, to make sure that it's consistent. You try to keep out any favoritism. You try to remain objective. And, you know, that's not always easy to do because, remember, this provider has a patient-doctor relationship, and, you know, it, it makes it difficult to remain objective sometimes. Sure, I see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. In your experience, is apportionment something that tends to disrupt or stretch out the life of a work comp claim? Is it is it hotly disputed more than other parts of the claim or not? Well, I would say that, that it's it's consistently up there in the top three, you know, based uh -huh. on the the you know letters that that, you know, people send um, that I've reviewed and uh, the doctors that I've talked to, it's, it's really hard to understand how to approach this. And, and so, you know, when you have a system like that, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, people um, in the system, we want it to be as transparent as possible. And, you know, a doctor to just say, well, it's 25% based on my medical opinion you know, that's really great. Tell us more. You know, what is your medical opinion or, or even more so, what is your medical clinical experience? So then we get into this situation where you can imagine, well, obviously every doctor has had a different clinical experience because they've all seen different patients. And sure. so, you know, how do you come to um, an agreement, you know, when when a system for determining apportionment is 
you know, based on this type of underpinning. So, so again, um, you want to pay the right price. You want to make sure that the injured worker is adequately compensated for their injury that was caused by the employer, okay? And if the system doesn't work, now we're looking at litigation, you know, assigning a doctor, et cetera. And, and, and I'll also say that I've seen situations where the doctor writes the PR4 and says, you know what, I've tried my best. I think that apportionment is complicated. I may be going to, you know, ask, send this to a qualified medical examiner or a QME assigned by the state and have them help me out with this. And there's nothing wrong, you know, with that. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's what happens. Fair enough. Definitely. So in the in the case, though, John, where you keep the PR4, the doctor says, you know, I'm going to tackle the apportionment, let's go ahead and do some real-world problem-solving. And can you give us an example of a case where the apportionment was, you know, somewhat complex and describe what you went through? Yeah. So let's let's make up a a, a sample case here. And again, I want to stress that this sample case is based on the presence of true permanent disability. And its purest definition, meaning inability to to meet a uh, social or occupational demand. So we have a gentleman who is 25 years old, and he is lifting a box. And he hurts his back and receives treatment for that back injury. At the conclusion of his report, okay, the doctor um, is going through the case history. Turns out, before he was hurt, at this particular employer and date of injury, he had a pre-existing injury, and that pre-existing injury placed him on a restriction from lifting more than 20 pounds. So the day he got hurt, one minute before, he was permanently disabled, permanent disability from lifting more than 20 pounds. He gets hurt, he gets treatment, and now the doctor determines that the employee can only lift 10 pounds. So in this case, we um, were fortunate enough to have a clearly defined baseline of some pre-existing disability. And then we now have arrived at a second point in time that is now MMI, permanent and stationary PR4 report time. And we have determined a new level of permanent disability. So in this case, the simplest and in my opinion, most correct way to provide apportionment is to take the 10 pounds, compare it to the 20, and say that he is now 50% apportioned for his permanent disability to the old unrelated event that he hurt his back. Because now he can only lift 10. He went from 20 to 10, half the way is 50%. And um, I've had very good luck with that. It's simple. People can understand it, okay? And and as long as it's agreed and you have documentation that a pre-existing permanent disability did, okay, occur or was present at the time of this injury, um, I think that you're in a pretty good position to uh, support that number. Great, great. So the answer, so the answer to our question is, <laughs> what is the apportionment of the claim? 
And the answer is 50% apportioned to a pre-existing condition. Got it. Makes sense. Great. Well, thank you for elaborating on apportionment today, Dr. Alchemy. And if you are interested in learning more about apportionment and California workers' compensation claims, please check out our blog on the RateFast website, rate-fast.com. This is the California Work Comp Report, and today is Monday, January 26th. Tune in next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the California Work Comp Report. We look forward to next week and continuing our discussion of work comp claims in California. Questions or comments? Got a great workers' compensation story to share? Find us on Twitter at RateFast or at Rate-Fast.com.